Well, my name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And um, we're looking in the Gospel of Mark. Today we'll be in uh, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 29 verse, to verse 39. So I have just recently this year, I semi-retired. Okay, and so that's actually one reason why I haven't been to Brigham City a lot lately, because my schedule's a little bit reduced. So we're j- it's really fun for us to come up and see you guys again and, and be here. But um, when I say semi-retired, the emphasis is on, se- on the semi, because like, I'm going like, I feel like I'm busier than ever. You hear that from people who retire, right? And I'm starting to realize it, um, that like, wow. Um, I'm just not putting my feet up. There's all something to do. There's always something going on. There's another pull. There's another uh, responsibility. There's another opportunity. And, it's a, and I know you have totally no sympathy for me. Right? right? And why would you? Because you would love to have a break. Right? You, you're dreaming of being able to retire, whatever. Because you've got your full-time job, and you've got your family, and you've got your home repairs, and your car repairs, and all the life maintenance and stuff you do, and your serving at church, and, and, and all the rest. So you're feeling pretty busy, too. Did you know that Jesus was really busy, too? We're going to see that today. I think some people might look at Jesus' pace of life and the things he was doing and say, man, I, I wonder if he needs a personal assistant, like someone to keep his schedule, like someone to make, keep everything straight for him because he was so, so much demand on his life, so many expectations that people had for him. I know when I get busy, I get reactive, Right, you know, so it's like, oh, here's the, the next fire. I just got to put out this fire. I got to go. It's like, it's like whatever seems to be the most urgent is going to be the next thing. And, I, and I'm not always living purposefully or living for the most important things. And like, I'll get to the end of the day and, and kind of relax and go, oh, doggone it. I forgot to do the most important thing that I was supposed to do today because I was stamping out forest fires. And and one of, those, one of those things that's so important that often gets pushed to the side when I'm really busy is just time with God, just time alone with God, hearing from Him and communing with Him. That often is the first thing to suffer when I get busy. So we're going to look at Jesus and how, how busy He was and how He handled that and, and kind of learn from, from Him what that's all about. Now, last week, we saw the authority of Jesus. As he went in the synagogue, he's taught with authority. He acted with authority. And then this week, as we move on from that, it's really the same day in his life, uh, we're going to look at the priorities of Jesus and see what, what he was really all about. And so what mattered most to Jesus? How did he pursue what mattered most to him? And how did he keep from getting burned out as he did that as he as he balanced his priorities with the demands of others how did he keep from getting burned out so let's let's read in in mark chapter 1 after jesus left the synagogue with james and john in verse 29 they went to simon and andrew's home now simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever they told jesus about her right away so he went to her bedside took her by the hand and helped her sit up Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. And so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. 
And later Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everybody's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And this, is, this passage is, is interesting. It's a, it's a powerful challenge to us as we get to see a day in the life of Jesus and see what he did and how he, how he handled that. And what we're going we're gonna to see his compassion, incredible compassion and care for hurting people, for broken, needy people. And yet with all the demands that were placed on him, with this never-ending opportunity for him to serve and to, to meet people's needs, at the same time we see Jesus takes time away in prayer to recharge and to renew his focus on his number one priority. And so let's start by looking at Jesus' um, busy day. He had a, a busy day. Now what, what we're going to read next in in verses 29, we saw that it happens on the same day as last week's message. If you were here last week, you saw that Jesus was in the synagogue. Kind of think of it like coming to church on Sunday, uh, only the synagogue was Saturday, Saturday morning probably, and, and he was preaching, teaching there. This, so this is the same day he cast this demon out, and, and now synagogue service is over, and we get to see what happened next that day. And so just to remind us where we've been, we saw that he left the synagogue, went to Simon and Andrew's home. Simon is another name for Peter. You might know him more uh, familiarly as Peter. Sometimes they call him Simon Peter. So we saw Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed. Jesus uh, went up to her, and he, and he healed her, and, and she was feeling back to normal again. Okay, so... I know if I come home from a busy day and, and, and Sally is in her room and she's gotten sick, you know, my, my initial reaction is um, to walk out of the room and shut the door because I don't want to get sick, right? So um, I might not be very compassionate and I'd go and heat up some leftovers and go downstairs and relax and watch sports on TV or something like that. Also, by the way, I'm, I'm happy that I, I don't live with a mother-in-law. At this point, maybe some of you. Now, now, Jesus didn't live there, but he was staying there for a while. But look what, look what he does. He didn't stop to relax. You know, he'd had a busy morning already in the synagogue and had a powerful um, encounter with an evil spirit, but he didn't stop to relax. He didn't just say, hold on, it'll keep. Let me catch my breath. He went straight up to her room, and he healed her. And what I want you to see there in the second half of that paragraph is just how very personal this moment was that Jesus went up and sat by her and he took her by the hand and he helped her to sit up and it was just intimate. He could have just said, okay, uh, uh, you know, I'll stay downstairs. I'll just say a word. Boom. She's, she's all good, you know, but no, he went over and had this really intimate personal encounter with her. She, I'm sure she felt his compassion and his care for her that, that afternoon. And within moments, she was better. She's all great. She's got her energy back. She's going back to what you know she was probably used to doing when there's guests come over. She's ready to, to fix them a meal and all the rest. So um, it's just it's amazing that Jesus, we see this glimpse of him he's caring about people's needs and his compassion and how it works. Well, so this is the Sabbath day. 
the synagogue. Now in the afternoon, they're at, at Simon's house. Now this, the Sabbath day in the Jewish culture ends at sundown on Saturday. It starts at sundown on Friday. It ends at sundown on Saturday. And so all, at the minute the sun sets, all of the Sabbath restrictions about not being able to work or travel or go out or do different things, stuff, all those things are now, are now, they're now done. They're off. And so Saturday night, uh, here's, here's what happens next. Now that people are free, we see after sunset, all of these sick people and all of these spiritually oppressed people, they start coming to Jesus. And the whole town gathers around to watch. Jesus is healing them. He's healing with various diseases. He's casting out demons all that whole evening. The whole town came out. They must have heard what happened in the synagogue that morning. And they go, whoa, you know, let's go check it out. As soon as, as, soon as the Sabbath's over, boom, they're out there. Crowds are gathering around Simon's house. And the people brought their neediest friends and, and family members to be healed and released from these powers of spiritual oppression. And Jesus kept healing, and he kept healing, and he kept casting out demons, and he kept casting out demons. And it doesn't say how many there were. There, there might have been dozens. There might have been a hun- hundreds of individual encounters Jesus had with hurting people that night. Again, he didn't just say, okay, everybody who's sick, boom, you're done. No, he, he, we, we get the picture here that he's encountering each one individually and, and maybe taking their hand because he often touched people as he healed them, looking at them in the eye, speaking a personal word to them with hurting people over and over and over again. Now, two things that we see here. One is we see this vivid demonstration of Jesus' compassion for people. There's a similar situation that happens in Matthew chapter 9. It's very much like this. All the crowds come out, and Jesus is healing them and casting out these evil spirits and so forth. And in chapter 9, it says Jesus looked at the crowds, and he had, it specifically says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's, that's the condition of people in our broken world. They, they need a shepherd. They, they don't know where to turn. That life has got them down. Life is hassling them and, and, and harrying them. And, and so many people are helpless. And we see Jesus' compassion, that he looked at the people with his heart. He looked, he saw their need. He cared about them like a shepherd cares about the sheep. And then the second thing we see here that's going on here is that Jesus is declaring war on the kingdom of darkness. We saw back in in verse 15, right? Jesus came declaring the kingdom of God is here. Now he's the king, and the kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. And so we begin to see, we saw how he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. We saw, now last week we saw he has this encounter with a demon, and now that this spiritual warfare is full on here that day. And so what's happening is a foretaste of what happens when, when God's kingdom is established on earth. People are made whole. People are restored by Jesus. And he, so he starts restoring this fallen, broken world that we live in, starting with Peter's mother and uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law. 
And he's restored her to her normal life. He's restoring humanity one person at a time as he does battle with this this world, this broken, fallen world. And it illustrates the weight of suffering and the weight of sin that lies heavy on humanity, on human beings. You know, we look around sometimes and people seem to have it all together. And we look around and say, man, by, by every external measure, you know, that guy, that woman, they just look so successful and so peaceful and happy together. But you know what? How, we, we, you, know, you and I know from our own experience that it's not always like that behind closed doors. That in the private moment, when things start to fall apart, there's a weight of suffering and sin that lies on humanity. And Jesus came to be the Savior that we need. And the whole town shows up, even if it's just for temporary, momentary relief of, a, of an illness or a spiritual um, problem. Now, that night reminds me also of something that Jesus said later. You see the picture of, of what he's doing, his activity. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 11, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And in those verses, he went on to describe his care for the sheep, his relationship with the sheep. And we touched on that a minute ago, but, but Jesus said in that context, as the good shepherd, he also warns about those who would want to hurt the sheep. So he says in John chapter 10, sorry, I lost it here somewhere, come on now, I don't, I don't have it in my notes, I can't read it to you unless it's up here on the screen. And I don't know why it's not advancing. There it is. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Again, we see the battle, right? The spiritual battle that Jesus is engaged in. The thief is Satan. The thief wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy people, to, to kill them in their relationship with God. And, and that's what's playing out that night, these, these demonic forces and, and sickness and all the rest in that, in that town that night. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. My desire is for people to have a rich and satisfying life. Now, on one level, that might mean a physical healing. But it's certainly way, we learn from the Gospels, it's certainly way, way more than that as well. And in fact, you can have a rich and satisfying life even if God doesn't choose to heal you of a physical infirmity. But it shows us the war that's going on. My point here is what I hope you see today as we get this picture of Jesus' busy day, I want you to see his heart for you, his heart for this needy world, and his personal compassion that is extended toward you and I, not just those people back there back then. Where, where he takes this woman by the hand, this intimate moment. He meets a throng of people one by one by one, and he meets each of their needs. And, and so this is the Jesus who invites you to know him personally as he wants to begin a work of healing and restoration and freedom in your life. Now, as you picture this scene, can you imagine how draining this must have been for Jesus? Yes, Jesus was God, God in human flesh, but we've been learning in the book of Mark, and we're going to continue to see what it means that Jesus was really fully human as well. We take his humanity seriously. That means he got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. Can you imagine what 
how draining this must have been for him that night to meet all of these needs. Because meeting the needs of broken people, it just can take it right out of you. Some of you are involved in doing that in different spheres, and you come home at the end of the day, and you go, man, the end of a meeting, I'm just tired. And doing battle in the spiritual world like Jesus is doing here, that just can wear you down. So who knows how late into the night Jesus served these crowds. We just don't know. It might have gone on for hour after hour after hour. And so in the very next verse, what we read is how Jesus slept in late that morning to catch up on his sleep. No, I'm just teasing you, right? That's not what happens in the very next verse. In the very next verse, we see that Jesus got up early to go pray and be with God. He didn't sleep in, but he did take time to restore himself. Not necessarily by sleeping late, but by restoring his relationship with God. I want you to see the power source behind Jesus' selfless service. Because I know that many of you are involved in serving. Some, if it's, some of it's in a formal way through the life of the church. Some of it's in, in, in an in a, uh, institutional way through our community or something that you're doing. Sh- and some of it's just, you know, you have family members that, do, that rely on you. Or you have other people in, in your neighbors that rely on you. So I know you're serving. So what's the power source to keep going? Anytime you've ever felt like, man, I'm done. How do you keep going? And so let's take a look at the next verses. In, in verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Now later Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everybody's looking for you. But he went out. He, he had one of the longest days in his life so far that we have recorded at least. And his reputation is growing. So things are happening fast. We saw last week after what happened in the, the synagogue that morning that, that word about him spread everywhere. And the crowds were starting to gather. And so his world is starting to turn faster and faster and faster and faster. And in the midst of that, Jesus goes off and takes intentional time to slow down and get alone and pray and be with God. And, you know, if he, if he didn't find a way, if he wasn't intentional about making a way to go and take that time, you know, it wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. And yet this is more than just a break. Again, this is more than just like, oh, relaxing a little bit. This is a time of spiritual renewal. Even Jesus needs the discipline of time alone with God. And so he went out and, pr- and prayed. And that, that's the purpose of what we call uh, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, things like prayer and Bible reading and worship and solitude. Getting, you know, all those things are, are the things that help us to spend focused time on God and with God. And then we live in an activist culture, don't we? We live in a busy culture. We're always on the go. Go, go, go. We're taking our kids to the, to the next thing and the next. Every day they have an activity. And if you don't have kids, like every day you have an activity. And, and it's like we just don't know how to slow down because our culture keeps telling us, oh, you know, if you don't do it, do it, do it, you're going you're gonna to miss out. And we let that FOMO thing kind of like, oh, you know, I've got to keep going. And, and we live in this culture that doesn't help us. But to serve others... And honestly, beyond that, even to have this rich and satisfying life that Jesus was just talking about in John 10, we have to take time. Not just time for myself, right? More than that, even better than that, time to be with God. 
Because when you spend time with God, that's going to help you hear how he wants you to direct your energies. You know, a lot of times I'm going like, so again, I'm sort of semi-retired now, and I have a lot more choice about what I'm going to do and not do. So I can go and get involved in that, or I can go get involved in this other thing. And, and I need to hear from God. I need time from God to hear from, from him. Like, what does God want me to get involved in? And what does God want me to say no to? You know, I don't want to, I don't, I've learned I, that sometimes it's just uh, when people ask me to do something, it plays to my ego, and I want to say yes because I want to be important, you know, and, but I need to hear from God about what His purposes are for me. That takes time with Him. Time with God helps you to see how dependent you are on Him. Time with God fills you up again when you're running on fumes. You know, you gotta, you got to go recharge the batteries. you got to take your car to the gas station. That's what that's, that happens. Time with God helps you reflect and refocus in light of eternity. Because so often, right, when we're busy, we're just seeing the thing right in front of us. And that looms so large that we kind of lose track and lose sight of, of, of eternity eternal perspective of a heavenly perspective and i think that's why jesus taught his disciples to pray the big picture and so in matthew chapter 6 in the lord's prayer jesus says here's how to pray prayed like this your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's a big picture prayer because it's so easy to get caught up in the demands of the moment, the expectations of the moment. Time with God helps you remember this, God's higher point of view about your life. And so the disciples, they finally found Jesus, right? We saw that in the, in the other verse. They finally found him. You know, he, didn't, he didn't tell them where he was going because he, he wanted to preserve that time from interruption. And so they finally found him, and, and look what they said. They said, don't you know, don't you know everybody's looking for you? The implication is that, like, why would you just disappear? Don't you know that everybody needs you? Everybody wants something from you? You ever feel that way recently? You ever feel that way where, like, everybody wants a piece of you? Everybody wants something that you can do for them. And, like, it can get a little overwhelming, can it? And if you become captive to all of those expectations of other people, then you'll never spend time with God because time with God is rarely, if ever, urgent. Important, but not usually urgent. And so we have to be deliberate like Jesus did. Jesus was deliberate about, I mean, he got up early in the morning on purpose. He went to an isolated place on purpose. Now, I know it's not always easy to find that place or that time, right? Especially if you have young kids, right? So I'm going to uh, cut you some slack. But it, it's important to keep on doing that. Now, you don't have to spend hours every week in prayer time, you might, you might just begin be able to do a few minutes in the morning before you go to work or, or before, the, before the kids are, are up and at it or whenever the nap time is or when they go off to school or whenever's a, a, a time that you can accomplish this, then that's great. It can maybe just be a few minutes, but if you have a plan, even a very simple plan for how to spend those moments, that can make all the difference in the world. So Jesus works all night to show his compassion and to his care for these needy, broken people. And then, and then he gets away from that hubbub and that, that pre pressure to go spend some time alone with God. He gets up early in the morning, goes to a place nobody was, 
And so we might expect, as we read this, to say, okay, I know what's happening next. He's got his spiritual batteries recharged, and he's going to go back in town and, and, and continue to do what he started the night before. But that's not really exactly what happened at all. And so, in, in fact, that Jesus, you know, had came out of that time with God with a, a renewed sense of his real priority, his main priority, to tell people the good news. And so he, he's not running from the crowds, but he came away from that time with God with this, with this, maybe with clarity about this sense of God's purpose and God's priority for him. So he wasn't just reactive. He's not just saying, oh man, here's the need, I got to go meet it. No, he's now operating out of this larger overarching reality, this larger overarching purpose that is driving him, driving his choices. And it was in fact, it was in danger of being sabotaged by the pressure of the needs of the moment. And so, like when the disciples found him again, they, to me they sound a little exasperated. Like they're a little bit exasperated with him, with Jesus running off and not telling them where he went and, and all these needs. And they think this is a great moment, you know, for, for him. And he says, don't you realize you got all these people lined up for help? And I don't know, maybe, maybe you could relate to that because how many of you are, are people pleasers, okay? So if you're really a people pleaser, you'd probably raise your hand right now because you'd want me to know. Right? No. But, but often, how many of you have a hard time saying no to stuff? Um, and, and you just hate it when other people are disappointed with you. That's the worst fear in the world is to disappoint someone who has some expectations of you. And you give and you give and you give until you're exhausted. But here's the thing. As much as Jesus cares about people and his huge compassionate heart, that's not him. That's not what he's operating out of. So let me show you in, in verses 38 and 39. Jesus, so, so they just said, look, where were you? Everybody's looking for you. And he replied, we must go on to other towns as well. What? You, you're not going back to the crowd? He says, I will preach to these other towns too. Why? That is why I came. And so he did it. He traveled through the regions of Galilee, preaching in synagogues, casting out demons. Could have stayed in that one place. That town of Capernaum is an important town. Could have stayed there and healed every affliction and, um, you know, kind of set up camp and set up his little ministry there and, you know, start a church or, or whatever, you know. But he went out to other towns because his marching orders from the Father were to go preach throughout all of Israel, starting in Galilee in the northern area where he was. And he wanted to make sure that his followers understand this. He says, look, here's a teaching moment for his followers because they're ready to go for, you know, whatever the crowds want. And they're probably excited, jacked up about, man, this is a great opportunity and Jesus is getting famous and, and we're going to bask in his glory and, and all the rest. But Jesus has this teachable moment for them. He wants them to understand the main reason why he came his main priority on earth was to tell people the good news about a relationship with God. Because remember back in earlier in chapter 1, he said he came to tell people that God's kingdom has come. He came to invite them to turn to God and to repent and to believe the good news. He says, that's not going to really happen if I just stay right here in this town. But what, one of the things that this reveals, as he talks about his purpose is that Jesus had just as much compassion about people's spiritual needs as he did about their physical needs. 
And sometimes we, sometimes we drive a wedge between the two of those things. And we separate them and say, no, it's all about this, the, fit, the spiritual needs. And, and we're not going to worry about feeding hungry people or, or people getting healed or whatever. And sometimes we say, oh, no, it's all about the physical needs. And there's so many needs in our community. And so many people need services and help and so forth. But Jesus, Jesus really integrated those two things. He had just as much compassion about one as the other. He cared about physical suffering. We see that he invested deeply in that. But ultimately, he knew that the deepest need of the world around us is spiritual. And so that's why he went on his purpose. And that's why he calls us as his followers to embrace his purpose. At the very end of Mark's gospel, then he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's our calling. Now, preach, I I don't want you to misunderstand this word. The word preach there, that doesn't mean standing up behind a pulpit or standing out on a sidewalk and giving a speech to a crowd that gathered around. That's how we've kind of understood that word culturally. But that word preach itself just simply means to declare. So you can declare the good news to people, you know, over a cup of coffee or taking a walk in your neighborhood or or whatever it might be. It just means to declare, to let people know. So we can reflect Jesus' compassion by helping people in practical ways. We can reflect Jesus' compassion by telling them good news about how their sins are forgiven and, and how we can be right with God because Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. But to do either one of those, we need God's leading and God's power And that comes from that time that we spend with Him. So what's your priority? What's your priority in life? We all get busy. Maybe you're feeling really busy now. But sometimes we get really busy just serving ourselves. Sometimes we get really busy just solving our own problems or focused on our own needs. We're building our own kingdom. We're 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 trying to achieve what we want in life. And we look at Jesus' compassion here, and we look at his focus on other people, and we realize that, that his priority isn't always our priority. And so he's calling us to, to maybe rethink what we're getting busy for, and what the focus and what the fruit and the ultimate purpose of our busyness really is. And then he's reminding us here, when we do get busy, that we often forget to consult with God There's too much going on to just stop and pray. And that's really where the source of his leading and his empowerment is in our lives. So let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, our Savior, for for his care and compassion. It's such an encouragement to us. Father, thank you that... We see, we see Jesus in, in, in his love for people and in his intimate personal care for people. And, and we need that, Father God. We need you to intersect our lives, to come and sit on the bedside by us and take us by the hand and bring healing and restoration into our lives. We need you to do that, God. Thank you that you, that you want to, that you're Jesus, that you, that's your purpose. You, we, we're asking you to do that, Father. And, and And we need you to do that not just with our physical needs. Thank you that you care about that. But with our spiritual needs as we're 
trying to figure out how to know you, and we're trying to, we, we feel the burden of our sin, and we feel the burden of the forces in our lives that we've allowed to take control, and we, we need you to come, and Jesus, and bring deliverance and hope and help. And Father, for, for us who follow you, God, you're calling us to spend some time with you. And we're feeling that today, and I pray that tomorrow we don't forget, and the next day we don't forget your invitation to come to you to be renewed and restored and refocused. So speak to us today, we pray, and empower us, Father, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.